Recent headlines are disheartening with nearly every state in the U.S. experiencing a surge in coronavirus cases, including Minnesota, which is also home to Mulcahy Company, an exclusive Bell & Gossett manufacturer's representative and regional leader in the commercial hydronic, plumbing, heating, and cooling industries. And while commercial hydronic system providers nationally have suffered in the wake of COVID-19, Mulcahy Company isn't having the same experience. With Mulcahy's flagship location in Egan, Minnesota, right outside the Twin Cities, why is this specific area of the northern Midwest seeing so much success? And what things are Mulcahy doing that are helping set themselves apart in the industry? Rob Grady, president of Mulcahy Company, shares the company's 2020 story to help listeners glean takeaways on how to operate amidst a global pandemic. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. It's Amanda Holloway, the host of Solving Water, Xylem podcast. I am excited to be here today with Rob Grady, president um, of Mulcahy Company, and also Dan Chudicki, senior business development manager for Mulcahy. And the last time I spoke with you, Rob, we were talking, uh, was poolside in Orlando at AHR 2020, which now seems like it was at least a decade ago, but here we are. And uh, I think quite a bit has happened since last we talked. (laughs) Um, But I mean, maybe we can just start out with just uh, reminding our listeners of your role with Mulcahy. And I think that maybe has actually even changed since I talked to you in February. Um, and then also uh, what the company does, the area it serves, et cetera. Sure. So, yes, uh, my role has changed a little bit about four months ago as part of um, Mulcahy's ESOP, which was took effect uh, the beginning of January, but hadn't really been public just to the employees. Um, there was a reorganization. And uh, about six months later now, since July, um, I was placed into the president role. So my my job now hasn't changed a lot. It's just broadened a little bit in terms of scope and capability, but I'm responsible for managing the business. A lot has changed since we last spoke. Uh, it's a whole new world now, and, and it's presented some challenges, uh, some things that I've been dealing with since March, some things that have ratcheted up since taking on the president position. Um, but uh, things have been pretty good, and uh, I'm excited to be back talking to you. Awesome. And you, uh, you invited Dan here. Um, so I'll let Dan introduce himself and what he does for Mulcahy. Greetings. I'm Dan Chudicky, uh with Mulcahy Company, as I said, Senior Business Development Manager, which is a fancy way of saying I deal with mechanical engineers and uh, owners to try to get our designs, to get designs specified around our product lines, ideally. Um, either that or just increase, uh, smooth over any rough edges and in integration with projects and such or, or prior approvals to bid projects and stuff like that. Um, I do a fair amount of communicating technically with the uh, outside of our organization and inside our organization and also try to keep on top of all of the major, you know, developments in the industry through different publications and belonging to things like ASHRAE and stuff like that. So um, I've been in with Mulcahy Company since uh, January of 1993. So um, it's, you know, it's been a while with the company. So things, more things change, more they stay the same. So it's always been around hydronics though. So it's, it's been a fun ride. Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you on the show. Thank you. So where do I even start? Um, (laughs) It's like really a world away since um, February, but 
Um, maybe a good place to start would be to talk about um, your recent expo on October 29th. And just if you can explain for everyone uh, what that entailed and how you came up with the idea for that. Sure. So Mulcahy has been doing an expo. Uh, te- we call it a technical expo for several years. Um, traditionally, that's been done in the spring. Um, and what we do is we invite manufacturers to come in and kind of have booths in our warehouse. Uh, but also we have two different technical tracks that allow customers to attend in person and view short presentations that are product agnostic to help train and educate about the way hydronics might work today. Uh, obviously, because of the pandemic, we couldn't do that this year. So we just put it on hold. And the, the, the goal of that presentation or that experience was not just to educate. We do that all the time with our Lunch and Learn series, but also to introduce a social component and um, sort of humanize uh, Mulcahy. And by that, I mean, we have a lot of customers who talk to a lot of different people, but they don't get a chance to put the face to the name. So here was an opportunity for us to invite customers to our place so that they could meet the people they talk to every day, whether that was in customer service or project management, not just the outside salespeople. So this year, uh, as things started to relax, we started to think about what we could do to um, at least make an attempt at that, but also break up the monotony of all the webinars that are out there, because I think people have a lot of fatigue toward that. So well, what uh, we came up with, uh, me and a couple of other people, was to do this um, hybrid technical expo. And what we did is uh, we worked with a local brewery. Um, I'm good friends with the owners there, and uh, they're also right here in Egan, which was important to us. And we used their space to invite customers to attend in person in a limited capacity in order to maintain the the guidelines of of what's out there for uh, safety and social distancing. But then um, through our marketing company, we had an additional component where we live stream the event. And uh, so people had the option of uh, live stream as well. And um, the big component of that or the social component was the, the beer tasting. So we had different beers that we, we had at different presentations. And the great thing about Baldman is they can their beer. So we selected four beers for each of the four presentations. People who were in person could get draft beer, of course. But then we, we distributed the cans of beer and a commemorative glass to those who were attending remotely in the safety of their homes so that they could share in that tasting experience while still being educated. That's awesome. And so the brewery name was Baldman. Is that what you said? Baldman Brewing, Tristan. Uh, and, and actually, it's available on the YouTube link that we, uh, we we're going to cut it up. But Tristan is bald and he's the bald man. He's the uh, brewer brains behind it. And then Dan Jacobs, who's a very good friend of mine, he does the marketing uh, for them and, and runs it as the president of the business. So how did it go? I mean, how was it received as compared to potentially other years where you didn't have this beer tasting element? Uh, it, was, it still went very well. Um, the, the, uh, we had some last minute cancellations of the in-person part as a result of COVID. People had been exposed, um, just couldn't make it. So there were, some, there were some aspects of that that limited us, but I think overall, it was a great experience in terms of being able to reach our customers in a way that was a little different, uh, engage them and give them an opportunity to share in something unique. And Dan actually was one of the speakers uh, at the presentation. I will tell you, I won't speak for him, but I'll, I'll, I'll say for the other presenters, um, 
these guys hadn't done a live stream presentation before. At least one presenter had indicated how awkward it was to be talking into a camera rather than people, even though there were about 20 people in the room. Um, but I, I think it was well received. Dan, so what did you present on? Uh, I presented on sort of a, a three-part thing about hydronics. You know, it's coming up on winter. So it was part one was things you check on your, it was a, basically a prep and improvement ideas for hydronic systems, things you would check, you know, in terms of maintenance, uh, you know, water quality, glycol, that sort of thing. Uh, things you can do to tweak your system to improve it in its present form. Um, and then things you can add into it to, to improve it, enhance it if you want to, you know, crack open a pipe or something and, and actually make some things. So, I mean, it was, it was trying to integrate in, uh, um, wasn't so much to try to go, uh, very deep into any topic, but just to spur a bunch of conversations that people could do with their system to, you know, just make it better somehow with this, you know, with the, the, the least amount of effort or with the, the most amount of gain. So it was, that was the topic I covered. The other ones, well, you didn't ask me about that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's okay. Keep going. <laughs> the other ones we covered were, um, we had our VFD guys talk about uh, variable frequency drives and how they can impact the building's electrical system and some tech new technologies that are available there to help out. Um, and then Joe Mozika, our, our uh, primary startup guy, um, he talked about uh, water heaters and water heater sizing for potable water systems and then also for the venting materials, you know, sort of newer age venting materials available, especially for high efficiency stuff. So um, we tried to be, uh, you know, as, as broad as we could to cast as big a net with the topics. And I, and I, I think we did pull it off pretty good there. We had, we had, we had just almost as much attendance, you know, live and, and streaming, I think as we do did with our normal events. So, um, you know, we got hundred some people for three hours. So I think wow. that's what the came out to do. So, and so you would intermix beer tasting with the presentations? Yeah, we did that a little bit informally, and I shifted it at the last minute. But we kicked off by Tristan, the bald man, introducing the brewery and the beers that we'd be tasting. And then um, the format of the day was 30-minute presentations, four of them, with a break in between. So at the beginning of each one, uh, we would pour a beer that we were going to taste throughout the day. And it was intentional which ones we poured, both uh, in terms of what was available for the cans and also the order, because from a tasting perspective, that can be important. So that's we didn't really talk about the beers during the, the, during the event. It was just at the beginning where uh, Tristan introduced the four different beers, kind of their profiles and what makes them unique. And then we just poured those throughout the day. Awesome. But moving on, I want to talk a little bit about um, Rob, some of the initiatives and programs you've implemented since becoming president outside of, of sort of reimagining this, this technical expo. I don't think I've done anything particularly special or unique, but what we have done is essentially what everybody else has had to do, which is to try and adapt to an environment where we cannot have customers come here and cannot see customers in person at their locations, both because either their offices don't allow it or they're working remote and uh, aren't available for those kinds of meetings. So what we did, uh, so the technical expo was kind of a culmination with that additional streaming component 
what we had been doing, which was expanding our capabilities in terms of uh, doing our lunch and learn series with uh, the webinar component. Uh, and, and Dan can actually speak to that because he hosted a lot of those, um, maybe even all of them. But um, that was the big thing is if, over the last several months, how do we reach our customers in a way that is a little bit unique, uh, adds a different component and takes it up a notch when uh, I know for me personally, my inbox is flooded with webinar invites for different things. Um, and at my level, it tends to be COVID, economics, and then also the technical presentations. Um, so that's what we've been doing there. And, and the other thing I'll add too is in how we market uh, to, the, to the industry. The Traditionally, our marketing strategy, whether it's social media or our email blasting, has been focused on technologies, different best practices that are available. Our newsletter, as an example, had a component about talking about maybe a person at Mulcahy or what we've been doing differently just to, uh, I think we even had a recipe uh, of, the, of the newsletter, a recipe every time. We've shifted that a little bit. Uh, I wrote an article about COVID and how we were managing it internally, just trying to connect with our customers beyond the technical aspect to establish how we're there to serve them, um, to keep that relationship going in the in a time when it's, you know, arguably it's impersonal as it relates to um, the different media we use to reach out to them because we can't can't golf. You can't sit across the table and have a beer anymore. Sure. So Dan, why don't you jump in and um, sure. since, since Rob teed you up here for the <laughs> lunch and learn series, like how, how did, how or did you change those to, to sort of cut through the clutter as Rob was saying about having so many webinars? Um, a lot of it is, is just, you know, obviously the first step of it is to sort of look at what our factories are doing um, and, and not duplicating their efforts. Um, you know, and the other part of it is to get creative with the the topic at hand, and to not, you know, it, like Rob said, you know, there's there's a lot of emails out there, a lot of webinars where you're, you know, how to size a pump, you know, how to do this, and you know, it's like, and it's and it's it's nothing more than somebody else's version of of that particular song. So um, a lot of it is to sit around and, and ask around our organization and, this, and say, well, what are some questions people are asking you? So as an example, one of the, one of the um, webinars we did or I did was, was difficult pump sizing and sort of some weird stranger applications of stuff and then and, um, tried it, a lot of case study stuff so that we would talk about and and discuss, you know, why was this particular aspect challenging? So, you know, and some of it is to is to not just be uh, nuts and bolts basic stuff, but also challenging some of the more industry veterans out there, make them interested in it, and say, oh, okay, maybe I could learn this from this uh, from this particular thing. So, um, you know, learning learning technology platforms is is quite a challenge. I mean, this is a, a different format for me right now than than presenting because I would present and just have my screen up and I would talk and I, I, I wouldn't get a lot of interaction. So that was where I like our expo was fantastic because I actually could read a face and see people and see if what they were doing and, 
they would ask questions. The uh, and and the final product, I had no idea what it was going to look like in the end. And the final product was actually pretty pretty uh, neat because it showed us. And you know, just simple something as simple as being able to use your hands to gesture something. You know, that that goes a long way with communicating a concept and stuff. So, and also I think provided a little bit more of a uh, uh, you know human element to people. Even if they weren't there, they could look and see it, like, okay, this is a real person stammering and stuttering through the through the topic and stuff. So, um, you know, it's 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 never ending to try to stay you know, uh, original, uh, informative, you know, I would say a little bit of entertaining, you know, I, you know, try to try to jazz it up with jokes whenever I can, when it's appropriate and maybe when it's not appropriate a couple of times, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, that, that's the part of it. That's the, the, uh, the challenge of it. So, and honestly, you know, people in sales organizations like challenges, that's why we're involved in them. So, I mean, that's, the technology aspect's been very interesting. You know, I, when I do my webinars, it just to, you know, sitting in my basement, I might as well be talking to my pet, my, my, my uh, cat, Travis, you know, cause he's the most interactive person in my, in the environment. Otherwise I'm just speaking to the, to the, to the, to the world. And, you know, I keep looking at the chat box going, somebody ask a question, somebody prove to me that they're listening. So, uh, you know, but they, they usually are, otherwise they log off. So I I only had one person. I like to stay on as long as I possibly can until everybody logs off and the record is three hours. So I, I don't think that person was paying attention. So that I had stopped talking. But. So it, it's a challenge. It is. It's the same challenge for everybody. And uh, one of the things that ends up being is it start, you know, you're just trying to start a conversation so that they come to you later and ask, ask and have, keep you in mind for a project. You know, that's, that's a lot of what we're trying to do here is, is just, you know, stay in front of them, stay, you know, and show, you know, show competence on the thing. And a lot of my engineers, um, if you're aware that engineers have to have a certain amount of professional development hours every two years in order to maintain their licenses. So it usually comes out to one hour a month. So, and then every two years, so they have to renew. So, um, you know, they're very appreciative of accessible, interesting, you know, professional development qualification, you know, qualifying training. So, I mean, like the expo, there was three, you know, three, basically three hours right there, four hours or pushing three hours. And so that they could call, you know, do that. So, and get, get beer along the way. So, but it, 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 you know, it, it is what it is. It's nothing new that anybody else has have to deal with. I would rather have people in our facility looking at our stuff. Cause we have a, I think we have a very good facility in terms of, you know, it's just what we can present, but also, Hey, there's, thousands of square foot of warehouse out there. We can actually go look at the stuff and put your hands on it. That's not an option right now. Now I have to sit there and search the internet for really good pictures. <laughs> so, but it's, it's been a challenge and sometimes, you know, you plan them out and you hope not all of them have been attended. I agree. Some of them have been, you know, less, less useful to the universe as others, but you know, it's been a, it's been a, a good ride. Great. Well, that's one of the so, wonderful things about technology. Um, because, you know, you can figure out pretty quickly what works and um, what maybe doesn't and then pivot from there. Now you just got to get Rob to give um, you guys your own podcast um, since he's I like heard, a pro now. <laughs> yeah, I've had this is my third one, second with you. So I'm, I'm a vet. But <laughs> to that end, Amanda, um our, our strategy is evolving. We continue to use these technologies. And to Dan's point, 
especially from a speaker perspective, that lack of interaction not only makes it a little more challenging for the speaker, but it also, you struggle then with engagement on the other end as the viewer. So the beer tasting was one example of where we could try and engage people a little bit. Uh, we've looked at, and I know Xylem is doing some of this too, because I'm on the task force, the marketing task force, but um, we hired a new marketing communications manager. And one of the things she had brought up was uh, uh, doing trivia throughout the event and uh, using different apps or technology to provide that interaction and break that up a little bit. So that's something we're going to continue to do. And I think even beyond the pandemic, when the doors can finally open up again, we can let people in. We'll still leverage these technologies, especially that streaming capability. I was very, very pleased and excited about that. And um, the, the, what we're going to be able to do with what we recorded after the fact is going to, is great collateral. So um, it's all very exciting, and um, I think it'll continue to evolve. And I feel like um, Mulcahy especially uh, is a little bit ahead of the curve because I don't see at least our competitors, other reps in the territory doing anything similar. So that's that's exciting to see as well. Great. So we've been talking a lot about COVID um, throughout this discussion so far. And I just want to understand from you, and I'll start with you, Rob, and then Dan, you can you can add on to that um, what this pandemic has done or maybe hasn't done to the commercial buildings market in the twin cities area. So can you ex- describe what the market is like from Mulcahy com- compared to maybe what you're hearing from other uh, FHRA members? Sure. Um, in short, it has exceeded uh, expectations my expectation when this first hit in March is that we would see slowdowns in Q3 and Q4. Other reps like us in other parts of the country have seen some of those, some are more significant. Um, that's not true for us. Uh, and we've, we've had some pretty challenging times here between um, the pandemic and then, of course, uh, the, um, the situation with George Floyd back around Memorial Day. Uh, Minneapolis and the Twin Cities in particular have had some pretty challenging times, but that hasn't translated to a lack of business for us. And, and that has been extremely, uh, we, we were extremely fortunate. I, I, I can't speak enough to how fortunate we are to that end. We're still, um, businesses are still spending uh, money on uh, new buildings and on refurbishing or upgrading and increasing efficiency on old ones. Um, and, and Mulcahy has been poised, especially with some of the moves we made in 2019, uh, to capture that and to contribute to that market and obviously um, to be able to support our employees uh, in a way that really we have been unaffected by this as it relates to the function of the business. And why do you think that is, Rob? I mean, what are some of the drivers that you think have insulated the Minneapolis area compared to some other urban areas? I think, um, well, I'm I'm speculating here, but uh, despite the pandemic and some of the uh, social justice issues, we still get very cold and uh, people still need heat. Uh, Maybe more so than other places in the world, especially as the further south you go, of course. So that part of it has been uh, still strong where, uh, people need to to make sure they're in a position to be warm, and we 
key are a big part of that. Uh, I also think that uh, for us, and I can't speak for other governments, but in terms of schools and districts and levies and the county level, all of those things had passed. The so spending had been approved, and that hadn't. That doesn't go away. It's the government. You only lose money in the next cycle if that's how it's going to go. So that's and, and Mulcahy has done amazing job with the schools. We are very plugged into multiple school districts. And um, just speaking from a business perspective, one of the things that I'm very proud of and one of the reasons I love working in Mulcahy is that our uh, approach to um, these businesses is not transactional, these, these different organizations. It's definitely building the relationship. People like Dan will, or, or even Joe Mozika, who you mentioned, they'll go in and they'll talk about how to improve their system, whether our technology is in there or not. Obviously, we're limited if it's not our technology in terms of what we're capable of doing. But that has helped us continue to grow. I can't speak for the other reps, but that's where um, I think Mulcahy has really had an advantage uh, in being able to maintain what we're used to in terms of business and still capture what's out there in that market. All right. I think that's a great point. I mean, I was one of my questions uh, here was going to be to talk a little bit about some of the key takeaways that um, that you could share in terms of best practices uh, with our with our listeners. And it sounds like, you know, developing those relationships with the school districts have have um, is one thing for sure. I don't know if there are other things, whether that's as a result of the pandemic or. Um, in spite of the pandemic, but um, other takeaways you want to might you might want to share. <laughs> I just like that. No, oh, go ahead, Dan. Well, I was going to say. I mean, other other long term owner relationships of you know the schools like universities, medical. You know, those are, are a, a pretty big backbone of our business, pretty big core, and that goes along. You know, those those relationships don't end you know overnight. So. Um, a lot of a lot of schools when they sent their students home brought it you know they 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 used it as an opportunity to get a lot of work done so they were able to you know bring 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 in staff to to or bring in contractors to get you know projects they were lo- hoping to do done because now the access the building was much more accessible so you know, it somebody needs something you know he like rob said I mean, there's always something going on in winter here so New construction might take go down, but usually a lot of that gets replaced with the retrofit and because of existing stuff. So um, can't say where, you know, there are definitely certain segments of the economy that are going to take a hit more than others, but it's, you know, this is, I think I counted my sixth recession. So um, it's, this one's different than, yeah, (laughs) you know, that's another storm. So whatever Uh, the, the, uh, it, 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 all of them are a little bit different. This one's very segmented as far as where the slowdowns are. And you can probably rattle off the industries and uh, it's not like, Oh wait, where the whole world dropped. And so. Sure. Yeah. Dan, what do you think is the um, most surprising thing that you've learned from the pandemic? Industry wise. Um, I'm very surprised at how well everything actually keeps operating just fine without people going to an office. <laughs> it is, I mean, does the project get designed, built, shipped, installed? You know, I'm answering the phone from my basement. It, it, you know, I can answer the same questions I did from my office. And, 
I'm actually surprised at how quickly and how adept that everybody kind of got into, you know, not, you know, not conducting business as usual, but business still getting done at a, at a high, you know, high level and, and such. So sure, um, the world just sort of moved on. It just, you know, it, it was like a winter storm. That's really all it was. So, yeah. And Rob, uh, what are you seeing as changing or not changing in the industry, well, in general, but also potentially just regionally as a result of the pandemic heading into next year? Um, well, I think heading into next year, there's been a lot of headlines here over the last week about um, vaccines and and their efficacy, which is, I think, going to be fantastic. I don't think that's going to show up until March, but I do think, and I, I speak even for my role here, and what I see from Mulcahy, that there is going to be a change in um, kind of how people work. Uh, the technology industries out in California, for example, the Googles, Facebooks, Microsofts, uh, Apples of the world, they have a pretty dynamic workforce, these where sometimes they work from home, sometimes they don't. We've had to invest quite a bit of money into uh, infrastructure and technology, hardware to make sure that people are set up at home. And, and as Dan mentioned, we are at about, we're about 30% uh, of employees in the office and the balance being out. I don't, I don't see, um, I, I see a lot more flexibility that uh, doesn't, hasn't necessarily existed among reps in general, but certainly here where some days people will work from home. Um, I don't see salespeople coming into the office every day anymore once this is over. I think um, we'll even create a considered shared workspaces where you really just have a workstation rather than dedicating an entire uh, desk area to one person who may or may not ever be here. Those are the kinds of things that I think are going to affect us certainly and the industry in general. And what I'm curious to, to see after that comes to fruition is, and you look at the um, uh, hospitality space and restaurant, we're on the cusp of being shut down again. I think that's going to get announced tonight by uh, all accounts. Um, a lot of vacancies, a lot of uh, empty buildings, and uh, certainly in the restaurant space. And, and it'll be interesting to see how that affects the industry because um, while those buildings still need to be warm, uh, if they're empty, they don't need to be as warm and you don't need to put that investment in there. So there is some concern there, but that's what I see is just a, a general shift to more at home work for people. Hey, Solving Water listeners, Amanda here with a brief note about our Solving Water holiday schedule. This is our final episode of 2020. We're taking a short break from sharing new content until mid-January. But that doesn't mean you can't get your fill of insightful water-related discussions over the next few weeks. Check out our list of Solving Water's greatest hits on social media and in the show notes to be sure you didn't miss anything. Any other challenges, that major challenges you're seeing in the market outside of what might be driven by the pandemic? There is the ongoing um uh, shift to decarbonization. That's not as significant in Minnesota, but that's certainly something that's being talked about. In fact, just yesterday, uh, uh, Jeff uh, Bezos invested in um, what they're calling, I think, catalytic technology, but the use of batteries and uh, to power buildings. And he invested, well, for him, $10 million, which is like 
with my 75 cents sitting on my desk. Um, but I think that's coming. Uh, the, the shift from uh, California uh, in San Francisco, I think just banned natural gas. Somebody just banned natural gas in all new buildings uh, out there. Those kinds of things are going to be something that we have to review and adapt to outside of the pandemic. And that's, that's only going to continue. Um, natural gas is a, a clean energy source. Uh, is, it still produces uh, greenhouse gases. It still produces um, a waste stream that needs to be addressed uh, as opposed to say oil or coal. But um, that's gonna be something that's going to result in a significant shift is the electric electrification of uh, these buildings as it relates to heating. Is there anything you guys are doing right now to overcome that? Do you have any examples that you can share? I don't know if, if this is a Dan question versus a rat. <laughs> I can answer it at a high level. Dan can answer it at a specific level. Okay. Um, we've, uh, so one of the things we've done is uh, reviewed the, our technology portfolio to include more uh, capabilities in that area. Uh, we signed on with Lock and Bar at the beginning of 2019. They have um, electric capabilities in terms of water heaters and boilers. They have a pretty novel and unique um, cogen system where it's essentially a, an engine that um, provides heat for a building, but then they capture that waste heat and convert it to electricity. Those kinds of things will continue. Heat pumps, um, geothermal, we continue to evaluate and evolve in that way. And I think we'll do that a little more quickly here as we move forward. That will help us um, provide a diverse solution that I, I don't think natural gas will go away, especially in Minnesota, because we just, there's, it's too hard to heat when it's minus 30 degrees, especially the further north you get. But I think there's an opportunity there. And I think it's important both from a um, just being a steward of the environment, as well as uh, being able to provide solutions that customers want to continue that evolution. Yeah, I would agree with all that. I mean, it's there's there's going to be an ins there's an installed base that it's it's always easiest to replace something with what's there. You know, you can't you know pull out a, a, a gas fired you know hydronic boiler and put in a heat pump and have the whole thing work perfectly. It, it doesn't work that way. So. Um, you'll see it more with new technology or new building, new construction, um, especially with particular owners that are willing to spend um, more money to put in something for, uh, you know, for, to, to decarbonize and, and, and go that way. Um, you know, it, things move slowly. And, and like Rob points out, our, our buildings are, our environment is very different than, you know, say Seattle, where they have, they don't have nearly the design data that we have. They have tons of hydropower available, so they can utilize cheap, uh, clean electricity and, and do all sorts of things. And so, yes, they can, they can say no more gas boilers or no more gas hookups and, and such. And same thing with California. Um, that's not feasible here in, the, in Minnesota, at least given current technologies. I'm sure somebody might come up with something really cool. Um, I've seen some, some technologies in Europe that are pretty, you know, as a, as an engineer, pretty cool and pretty promising. Um, but they haven't made their way over here because our energy costs are so less. So, and actually, uh, things like California, not allowing any more gas is going to make, 
you know, cut off a certain amount of demand. So that's going to make that energy source price go to, you know, it's going to keep stay low. So, and up here, given where we are, natural gas isn't going to go away for a long time. It, it, it's not. And so, um, you know, I've, I've worked with some of the utilities with ASHRAE and such, and, and, you know, they have, you know, statements or concerns, if you will, but they realize unless the world, you know, barring some brand new technology, things aren't going to change very quickly or, you know, or very soon. So uh, it's, it, you know, you just keep it, you keep on top of it. And, you know, there's all sorts of promises that are made by factories and what, you know, our job is to see what actually will work for the customer in our territory. Um, and uh, I don't know where you're, you're, you're talking to us from Amanda, but, you know, minus 30 is really, really cold. It's not just, it's not just unpleasant. It's, you know, <laughs> stuff breaks. Oh, I, I'm, well, I, I'm well aware. I'm, I'm frozen tundra over here. Uh, oh, okay. This is the part where I leave the podcast. Cause I don't want to listen to you too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you guys won on Monday. Yeah. Night. And we won last week and the week before in one of those games. Yeah. One of those. So you outrank Detroit. Good. All right. So. Yeah. That, you know what? <laughs> Touche. <laughs> you got to start somewhere. You hang in there, sunshine. Yep. yep. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, this is where the, you know, being, seeing things for, for a long-term perspective, you know, uh, helps a little bit in that. Um, I like to say that, you know, something like natural gas going away, I, I think we're still working on adapting the metric system, uh, you know, so I think that's going to happen before certain other changes happen. So. Yeah, well, I mean, let's not jinx ourselves. This is 2020, and you never know. It's almost done. Um, oh, yeah, well, that's what we said last year. No, I mean, 2020 you know, is almost done. Happened. It literally will end. I know. That's what we said in 2019. We are like, woo, we got to get out of this year. And then look at what happened. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit because at AHR in February – I know Xylem and Bell and Gus that we talked about the Watermark 2020 program and um, working with our manufacturers reps across the country to um, do Watermark pro- uh, projects um, and and help support that effort. And and for those of you on listening to the pod that don't know, Watermark is our um, social investment program and philanthropic program at Xylem. And so uh, I know Mulcahy has really taken this to heart. I know you've done some things uh, specifically in response to COVID and relief efforts there, but then also you've got a pretty big program going on right now with Watermark. So Rob, I was hoping you could talk to me a little bit about that. Happy to. Um, First, I'll say that Mulcahy uh, was very excited to learn about Watermark and um, thanks to the the great team that we have here, uh, we were recognized by Xylem and Bella Gossett for our efforts last year as taking home the the inaugural uh, Watermark Recognition Award. This year, unfortunately, oh, and and I will say that we we had done that last year in tandem with our expo, which we could not do this year, of course, because we didn't have it. Um, We sort of launched our our watermark at the same time as the expo, but they are not directly linked. Um, what we decided to do this year is to try and incorporate a, uh, a program that provided an opportunity for participation in light of the pandemic and the, the lack of uh, capabilities there. 
Um, but what was more exciting for us is how Xylem expanded their, uh, their charities to focus not only on COVID, uh, but also to uh, give us better access to something more local. Uh, we were, I personally, and we as a business want to try and support our local community as much as we can. And we had that opportunity to do that between the COVID uh, initiatives and in the broader scope by uh, finding an organization that uh, is looking for funds to support uh, the treatment and relief for COVID. So what we did is we created a social media campaign. Uh, we created a short video and, and this was actually, this idea was uh, from John Hine. Uh, it started there where he was talking about um, early on in some of our task force meetings about the idea that um, water usage is very likely up because people are supposed to wash their hands for 20 seconds. So we did this hashtag no waste wash where um, the idea is you get your hands soapy, you shut off the water for 10 seconds, you, you lather for five before, rinse for five after, and there's a huge chance, or a huge opportunity there for water conservation. So that was the theme. And then the idea is to raise money for the Greater Twin Cities COVID-19 Relief Fund. And we're in the throes of that right now. Fantastic. That's a really great idea. And we're going to expand on that now here in the coming weeks. We just had a meeting a couple of days ago um, to try and drive more donations. Our goal is to reach $25,000 because that is the maximum match that uh, Xylem will provide for certain charities of which one of which uh, the one we picked is included. So we're hoping to get uh, to $50,000, which in turn, and then obviously to create awareness about water conservation, which I think think is absolutely, especially when you look at how often we're washing our hands and all that water that goes down the drain. Wow. That's really cool. I hope you'll keep us updated on how that's going. Um, and actually just to kind of build off of that, looking into 2021, I mean, what are some of your key priorities for next year? What's your vision, whether that's bringing this watermark program forward and evolving it or just in general for Mulcahy? Earlier, you on, earlier on, you asked about how the pandemic maybe has changed how we do business. And I will say that for me, it is day by day. Um, we're still keeping that long-term vision, but uh, I'm done trying to predict what tomorrow it's going to bring. <laughs> Amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> it's just, it doesn't work. Um, so I don't, what I will say is that we're going to continue to leverage the technologies that we're building. For example, with this expo and, and the idea of streaming, um, looking at, at providing uh, different ways to reach our customers as this evolves. So hopefully in March, the vaccine comes out that frees people up. It's not going to be a silver bullet, of course, but I think that's going to start to open us, open the doors for a lot more opportunities. Um, we definitely want to try and get back to, uh, some semblance of where we were a year ago. Uh, you know, everybody, they, you don't hear it much anymore, but there was this talk of the new normal uh, where we belong to an organization called uh, Aimer and they have an, a regular magazine. And I remember a couple months ago, uh, the editor had made a comment about the new abnormal. And that's what I prefer to think of it as. This is not going to be um, a constant forever. And so I, I, I cling on to that hope that down the road will be able to change. So it, when I think about the future, when I think about 2021, I think about hopefully being able to host more uh, customers here, bringing 
bringing our employees back into the office, but also giving that option of being able to reach those people in uh, a new way that is uh, just as impactful and just as interactive, because I think that's the key is these webinars are unidirectional and there isn't usually a face, it's just a voice. I, I want to see um, Mulcahy, and, and I'm committed to this, to providing those uh, opportunities to be, um, to create those touch points that, that are so infrequent now because of this pandemic. And hopefully by the middle of next year, we'll be having an opportunity to do that. That's great. Any um, last words of advice or uh, that you can offer to our listeners who are uh, quite possibly um, your peers out there in terms of kind of go forward throughout this um, uncertain time? Drink more beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. But in all seriousness, yeah. um, my advice is just to not forget that there's a person on the other side of that phone call. There's a person mm-hmm. on the other side of that email. There's a person on the other side of this device that we have in our hands. And I think even before the pandemic, uh, that was still, that was something that's starting to get lost, especially for people who have been immersed in technology their whole lives. Um, I don't, I don't speak negative. You know, you, you mentioned the term millennial and that usually creates a negative connotation. I don't, um, I don't view that term that way, um, but I, those are that's a group of people who literally grew up with the technology in their hands, easily accessible. And you see some of that in um, how, especially during this election cycle, how people talk to each other. My advice is uh, certainly from a leadership perspective is to try and remember that when you talk to that person to be positive, to remember that there's another face behind that, that, um, that device. And it's important because um, facial expression and, and tone are huge components about, of how we communicate. And that is all lost in an email. I could write a sentence and depending on the person's mood on the other side, they may think it's the most offensive sentence, even though it was completely innocuous or the best thing that they've ever heard. So that's where I, that's what I've been trying to do is to remember that the, the human component of what we're dealing with and to, to try and be compassionate and empathetic to people's situations. That's great. Yeah. Great advice. Well, Rob, Dan, I just want to thank you for the great mm-hmm. discussion today. And thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. A link to Mulcahy Company's website, as well as Xylem's Bell & Gossip brand, is included in the show notes. As always, drop me a line at amanda.holloway at xyleminc.com with feedback, a show idea, or to be a guest on Solving Water. Thanks a lot, guys. On behalf of all of us at Xylem, thank you for tuning in, sharing, and rating Solving Water, a Xylem podcast. We hope you enjoyed the shows and learned something along the way. I'm your host, Amanda Holloway, with warm holiday wishes and deep gratitude to all our listeners and guests who joined us throughout 2020. We're excited to continue bringing timely and valuable content to you about how our people, partners, customers, and industry pros are making water more accessible, affordable, and safer for a better future around the world. We've got some great things in store for our Solving Water listeners next year, including a fresh format and schedule, plus some fun surprises thrown in for good measure. I hope you have the happiest of holidays and a very welcome new year, and I look forward to meeting you back here in 2021.